0: In this series, we will be discussing specific
1: examples of design techniques that make a positive difference for people living with certain human conditions. The more a designer understands the client and or the community, the more effective and respectful the design will be. Welcome to Inclusive Designers Podcast. I'm your host, Janet Roach. And I'm your moderator, Carolyn Robbins. Carolyn, we have such a wonderful show
0: today. Our guest is Yannick Benjamin restaurant tour and expert
1: sommelier with a truly inspiring story yes and we are very happy to add this to our menu as the first episode for 2022. did i ever tell you that one of my
0: very first words was restaurant it just goes to show you what was important to me at a very
1: young age and i'll bet the word design wasn't far behind exactly you also have a great story from maybe two days before we interviewed him I do. So what happened was I turned on the TV to PBS and there was Lydia Bastianich
0: profiling Yannick and his restaurant Contento on her show called Lydia Celebrates
1: America, Overcoming the Odds. You called me like, oh my God, turn on PBS. That's right. And I highly recommend our listeners give it a look. It was a very tasteful segment. Oh boy. While ignoring that pun, we should mention that Yannick is also in a wheelchair himself and designed his restaurant to reduce physical barriers and to be inclusive for everyone. We should also note that there was some construction being done at the restaurant, which you will hear in the background of our interview. The work on improving their space didn't stop down for us as Contento continues to serve up their best as an inclusive environment.
0: (laughs) I think you've reached your pun quota for this intro but we do think these oh-so-familiar sounds we know and we love only add to the charm of this
1: interview. You work with construction, you deal with contractors, you know these sounds. Absolutely. Just to give you a sample of Yannick's story, not only is his restaurant Contento designed to be accessible to patrons with disabilities, he also started two organizations, Wheeling Forward to help those living with disabilities, and Wine on Wheels that promotes expanding opportunities for the disabled within the hospitality industry. But we'll let him tell us about all of that and more in his own words. And with that, here's our interview with Yannick Benjamin, restaurateur, sommelier, and disability advocate.
0: Welcome Yannick, we're so excited to have you today. Thank you so much for being here and being on our podcast, Inclusive Designers.
2: Well, thank you very much for having me. It's a real pleasure and an honor.
0: Thank you. Let's just dive right on into it.
2: Sure.
0: Tell us a little bit about you, your restaurant, and the inspiration behind it.
2: Yeah, thank you for your question. I'm born and raised in New York. Both of my parents are from France, and they're both in hospitality, or they were. My mom worked cleaning houses. She worked for a lot of different families. And my dad came to New York in 1963. He followed his two oldest brothers who came here already. My father came right after the French-Algerian War, and he started working as a dishwasher for his brother, who was a general manager at a very famous French restaurant, which still exists, called La Grenouille, which is pretty much directly across the street from the big famous uh, Christmas tree in Rockefeller Center. And, of course, being that my father was incredibly close with his two brothers... Um, they only had Sundays off. They would come over and you know, I would just hear them talk about the restaurant business as a kid. And I just thought it was such an exciting profession. Seemed like there was so much happening. It just seemed kind of glamorous. <laughs> and I, I grew up um, you know, in a New York that was, um, I guess on one hand, was exciting and glamorous. But then on the other side, wasn't, depending on where you lived at. And I grew up in a working class neighborhood called Hell's Kitchen which was on the west side of Manhattan, which was not so glamorous. It uh, was very much a blue-collar, hardworking uh, neighborhood. And so hearing about all these exciting stories kind of took me away from that part of town and allowed me to dream and imagine. So pretty much at a very young age, I knew that I wanted to be in the hospitality industry and be like my uncles and, and be exactly like my dad
0: that's that's a great story and by the way yeah a hell's kitchen doesn't exactly inspire <laughs> uh some sort of uh white picket fence kind of uh that's true right <laughs> exactly yeah. so tell us a little bit more about the restaurant itself and what was your inspiration yeah. I mean, obviously you have a whole bunch of like with the family background and yeah. it's in your blood right so yeah. but what was the inspiration for contento
2: Well, I'm just going to – I'll break it up into a couple of points to make it as easy as possible. Being that you guys are from up north as well, my favorite TV show growing up as a kid was Cheers, and I just loved the (laughs) dynamics of Cheers. And on top of the fact that I already wanted to be in hospitality, I knew that if I was ever going to open up a kind of like restaurant, bistro, whatever you want to call it, I wanted to have that same kind of feeling. I wanted to be that guy – that centerpiece and have all his friends around him and just have a good time while at work. Right. Mm -hmm. Be happy when I was going to work and be happy when I was going to leave work. So that also helped me come up with the name contento because happy and happy is really in the pursuit of happiness. Right. Right. So contento means happy both um, in Italian and in Spanish. And where the restaurant is located, we're located in a pretty historical neighborhood in East Harlem. It was predominantly Italian immigrants in the early 1900s. And then it transitioned into uh, mostly Hispanic, Puerto Rican, Latino, Mexican, you name it. So I really wanted to figure out a way to pay homage to all of these immigrant groups that really kind of um, added so much flavor to what we know East Harlem as today. And so Contento was just an obvious choice because again, Contento means happy in Italian, Italian. and in Spanish right. and then really kind of fits to what my philosophy is. So then that's how that happened. The location where we're at today, I discovered it a few years ago along with my partner and dear friend, George Gallego, who actually was assigned to me as my mentor when I was in a car accident in 2003. Unfortunately, that car accident in 2003 left me permanently paralyzed at the age of 25 years old. So a lot was happening at that time of my life. Things were looking very good. I was very motivated. I was incredibly hardworking. And I was I had a pretty extensive resume that I built. And um, you could say that I was incredibly ambitious. I was well on my way to doing great things, I think, in, in the hospitality field. And then I found myself paralyzed. And while I was in rehab, I was assigned a mentor because there's really no handbook that's handed to you. Well, this is how things are gonna be and this is how you're going to do things going forward as a paraplegic, as a full-time wheelchair user. So I was, I was handed this wonderful gentleman, George Gallego, who was already injured for quite a long time. And we had stayed in touch even after I left rehabilitation where we really bonded was I wanted to to be active in wheelchair sports and he really helped me transition where I did a lot of New York City marathons I did Boston Chicago so on but anyway he was he's what he calls himself a and I agree a social entrepreneur He's got his hands in a lot of different things. Very, very incredibly motivated individual, but also very generous. And he said, Yannick, he said, you need to be working for yourself. I want to see you open up your own place. And I just thought, George, you have no idea how incredibly (laughs) brutal and unforgiving this industry is. Well, in any case, he was walking by this spot that was literally 100 feet away from the building that he lives at right now. He was walking his dog he contacted me he said that this spot looked very interesting and then that's how contento came about but i think what really makes contento unique and what makes it stand out is that because i myself have a disability and it's so important that if i'm going to work at a restaurant that things are very well calculated right right? and that things are very well thought out and laid out so there has to be thoughtful design behind it how the bar's set up, the fact that I, I can be able to do a 360 around it, uh, the fact that someone that's on a wheelchair that comes to the restaurant as a patron can also eat and drink at the bar comfortably. So counter seating, table heights, space in between the tables, people able to roll freely. So there's not just myself that has a disability that, that's part of Contento, but there's also George Gallego and then four others. So collectively, there's six people that are involved with the Contento project. So having that meaningful design and that thoughtful design is really, really incredible. And that's what really makes it unique, I think, from a lot of other restaurants, not just in New York and not just the United States, but globally.
0: I totally agree with you. And that's why I really wanted to have you on the the show. When designers hear that I'm a designer for people with different types of living conditions, that they tend to think that I'm the person to go to to get around the ADA, to get around the codes that have been put in. And so I'm here to say to you so that we've got Yannick Benjamin, who has created a successful restaurant while also having everything that's beneficial for everybody and for full inclusion, which I think is such an amazing point of this, and this was the the driving force for for me to like, well, hound you. That's uh-huh. the only way to describe it. So I mean, what were the? Let's talk about a little more about the design. Yeah. So what were some of the challenges with this space? I mean. Back The bathroom is always huge, right? I mean, that's just ADA 101. And we won't even get into the fact that when people use it as storage, right?
2: (laughs) Yes. Unfortunately, yes.
0: Or I always love when they put the big barrels, well, paper towels, like, you know, like waste paper baskets, like in front of the toilet as well. I could go on. But for you, you have a really unique point because you're the entrepreneur, you're the restaurateur, you've been doing this for forever. So... What was the challenges on that space? Like did you get all the tables that you needed to get in there? Like maybe we could start with that.
2: Well, I'll tell you the the biggest challenge of that particular restaurant, I would say I think the most important thing why I decided to go into that space was, you know, for all of you who don't know, when you're going to start a restaurant from the bottom up and this space was empty, it was bare, it was neglected. Um, So there was a lot of work that needed to be done. So it's a very expensive project to get involved with any kind of restaurant, Um, even if it's like bare minimum kind of essentials. It's still very expensive. It's a big investment. Right. But the most important thing that was attractive was that the rent was incredibly cheap. So the landlord (laughs) was very generous, very cheap. I I mean, it's crazy. And then also he gave us nine months rent free to construct and build out. So those were very attractive offers yeah propositions offers exactly yeah. but i would say um the biggest challenge on the other end of that was that the space it's it's incredibly small and in an ideal world you know if you wanted to create a perfectly universally designed business or, or restaurant you'd want a really big space i would probably say the size of our restaurant is probably slightly over 1200 square feet so you can imagine that's not very big no and it's not very big when you consider that you've got to build a dishwasher you've got the kitchen then on top of that you've got to build a really big wheelchair accessible bathroom so that doesn't leave you much in the way of square footage as far as the actual main dining room and we were left with probably just under 600 feet,
1: mm-hmm.
2: which means uh-huh. that left us with about 35 seats in total with the restaurant. Now, that's not including the fact that if we really wanted to, let's say if we this was purely uh, a business that was run by able-bodied individuals, you would have mm-hmm. more tables, but that's not the case. I needed to get around. George uh-huh. needed to get around. And so we didn't put as many tables. So it's not as clustered as a typical small restaurant. But what that means also is that means it's less revenue. Right. So those are some of the challenges um, as far as all of that goes. But what I will say is that because of the sacrifices that we made and because of the mission that we're on and the agenda that we've decided to stay on, we have seen an incredible amount of support of people with disabilities who have come to our restaurant. Because I think that, you know, the most important thing, you know, I I really want to stress this, and I I say this to everybody. You can design a perfectly, beautifully, you know, well-thought-out business that's completely ADA compliant, that's accessible, that's clever. But if the people that are working there are not – trained to deal with people with disabilities, aren't cultured, aren't educated, and they just aren't kind enough, all of that will mean nothing. It's so secondary. And so I think that people who have disabilities, who have decided to become regulars, who, who decided to support us, know that they're going to a place that's, one, safe. Two, that's comfortable, that's that's empathetic to their needs. But no one's ever going to be judged or treated differently because they're rolling up in a wheelchair because they have a guide dog. But instead, we're gonna embrace them. And we're gonna really appreciate them because you've gotta think about it this way. Imagine the effort that it's taken that person in a wheelchair to get to your establishment. Um, maybe dealing with broken elevators, their paratransit being late, could be very stressful to have to uh, travel, especially in a city like New York, uh, when you have a disability. So I think those are all really incredibly important factors to take into consideration. Right. And I feel like uh, we have an incredibly empathetic, sensitive, and kind staff.
0: But I think you're absolutely right. I think it, it's you can have all the bells and whistles. You can have like the most beautiful, right. most perfect bathroom that's not being used for storage or
2: <laughs> whatever
0: uh-huh. else it was, you know, whatever else they seem to, to to use it for. But you have to also train the staff in order to have them understand Even just like the nuances, so you can literally kind of get to the meat and potatoes of your business, which is serving food, which is then creating like an ambiance that they are going to want to come back to. So I think that that's an important part. But you also i thought it was interesting so you had mentioned already the lower like the bar heights and stuff like that i've seen that only once before in california yeah Uh and uh, i took a few pictures like selfies with it It so i was i was a little surprised on how progressive it was and of course everybody it didn't matter like because that was the other part like it was at the back of the bar and so you still this is pre-pandemic so you still had to walk through or you know or or get through like a throng of individuals to get to that part but i also noticed like you put that in the front of the building too so were some of those things like considerations or yeah or yeah Do you want to walk us through
2: some of those yeah yeah, i I would say that if you come to the restaurant that's pretty much the that's the centerpiece so when the first thing you come in is you see the, the lower um, counter seating of the actual bar itself. And it's not just two seats, like most people do that, but it's sort of in the back and kind of like what you were talking about using uh, wheelchair accessible or ADA bathrooms as, as storage. A lot of times they use that part of the bar as storage or as a service bar, which they should not. Um, in our case, it's a main focal piece and there's six seats there. I'm devoted to that. So that's really important. So I think already when you come to the restaurant, there's something genuine and very warm about it. I also think it takes away that barrier, right? It's like when you go to a bar and you sit at the bar, that bar's height, the bartender's kind of behind, so there's that lack of intimacy. When you get rid of that, now you're now you're kind of face to face. There's less intrusion there, and I think that's what makes our bar quite special. And I, I I'm hoping that and that's a dream of mine. Uh, certainly, this is not to be known as the only place that has a bar like that. I certainly hope many, many people copy that and and, can, and do the same thing, too. This is not about me creating a, a copyright on it. Instead, it's like, by all means, copy away.
0: Right. Yeah. Well, just so we're clear, Carolyn and I have talked about <laughs> who are going to come visit you at some point. And it and it's not just from your spectacular wine collection, for which I've heard is also Uh amazing, but it is interesting. And you know, even I'm an average height female so but sometimes even getting on those bar stools like with a little bit of a high heel or whatever as is just you know we're considered an able-bodied person it's still a little difficult i don't know why the bar heights ended up getting so high but (laughs) it was a design thing at some point and and there is something kind of interesting about that and i think you're right when you lower that like you're literally lowering the, the bar. Right. <laughs> and I wonder if that's because like, otherwise you just kind of, certainly sort of like with Zoom, right? You kind of only like see yourself from sort of like your shoulders on up for the most part. Whereas if you're maybe just a little bit lower, then you see more of the person. And I wonder if that has something to do with it as well. Like to the way you're creating the in- intimacy that you were talking about.
2: I think what it does is that it puts everyone at an even playing field. And what I mean by that is that, for example, you and I, Janet, we can go to Contento and and let's say we're like, hey, let's just go sit at the bar because we like the bar. But as opposed to like me looking up at you because you're, you're sitting on a high stool and I'm looking at you kind of upwards right. at you and you're looking downwards at me, now we can both... Sit down together, eye to eye, at the bar, and I think that that's something that's that's really important, you know, and that sense of belonging and that sense of feeling like everybody else is incredibly important, and so, a lot of people that come to the restaurant that have a disability, actually want to eat and sit at the bar because they very rarely ever have a chance. To get to experience that, right? right, and so they can go with their date, they can go with their wife, husband, best friend, whatever it is, and just sit there all night and have a good time as they should.
0: As they well, they should, yeah. No, that's 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 really terrific. So what I know that you did. So you did the bar. You've done the bathroom. Is there, you know, I know that you talked about being very inclusive in terms of um, even like the utensils, like you were thoughtful about the utensils. Yeah. So talk about some of the more like the pinpointing some of those like really important other factors that you had thought extensively about and and implemented in, in Contento.
2: Well, I will say this, even though I myself have a disability, I think it's important to understand that no disabilities are alike. And what I mean is because you might see myself and someone else in a wheelchair, we might have two totally different needs. And even though in the census, they, they categorize everyone with the, you know, whether it's if you're an amputee, you're blind under one group of having a disability. And there's 61 million Americans that have a disability, by the way. Right. We're all incredibly different, right? And so I would be remiss to say to you like, of course, like. Uh, It's always a learning process for myself. I myself have a, I had a grandfather that was blind. I have a cousin that's blind. I have another cousin that's a paraplegic, but even though despite all of that, I am constantly learning. I am constantly evolving and me not evolving and me not um, asking questions would mean that now I've rested on my laurels and then I think I know it all. I absolutely do not know it all. So, there's all this new technology, things are constantly changing. Right. And because the world of disability and the recognition of people with disability being independent is still kind of new, there's a lot of new terminologies that are still being kind of implemented. Right. But you are correct that we have a menu in Braille. We've done everything possible with our website to make it accessible for the low vision and a blind community. We have adaptive flatware for people who have minimal uh, dexterity with their hands and upper body. Um, if you don't know what that is, you can just Google adaptive flatware and, it, and it's a company called Dining with Dignity. They're absolutely fabulous. And not only that, but the silverware itself, the adaptive flatware it looks good. It doesn't look like it came from the hospital. Wait. For the bathroom itself, Everything that we have there is touchless. The soap dispenser is touchless. The paper dispenser is touchless. So things of that nature. Are we perfect? Certainly not. But we've put everything, we put our heart and soul into it. And most importantly, we are all ears. So if someone else that has a disability notices something that we are, we're missing or something that can be done, we are on it. Please tell us. We love it. So, listen, I'm an incrementalist and, you know, Rome is not Rome because it was built overnight. Rome is Rome because it was built over 2,000 years, right? So, (laughs) it's a compounding effect and I think that, you know, you come back next year to Contento and and it will be that much better. And and that's just how life is. Generally speaking, you are supposed to get better and our objective is to do better than the day before.
0: So… I did read in that New York Times article, and I saw it on uh, Lydia's show, and we haven't talked about it, is your sommelier box that you designed yes. for yourself. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Absolutely.
0: I, I love the ingenuity with that as well. And it just made, like, as soon as I saw it, I was like, well, of course.
2: like yeah. And
0: I thought to myself, and well, then why doesn't everybody have that? Like, <laughs> that's yeah. the other part.
2: I mean, I think um that, that, that adaptive tray that you see me using, um, it's something from trial and error. I mean, it started off as very basic. Um, in order for something to kind of reach that level of greatness or perfection, you have to go through a lot of steps. You kinda of have to
0: iterations. It yeah, a lot of exactly.
2: Right. And so that's that was the case. Um, I was very lucky again and blessed to have met this gentleman. His name is Jean-Paul Violet, who's a very good friend of mine, who has a who's a, a master carpenter out in Brooklyn. And we had started talking, and he said, and I said, "I really would love to like create something." And we just kind of went back and forth, again trial and error. And not only did he create this really practical and mindful tray, but he made it look so beautiful, and it is beautiful, and it's sturdy, and it's gonna last forever. And I really owe him so much.
0: Maybe we could get a picture of it on the website. You know, it might be actually kind of great. And obviously we'll give your friend a a shout out as well. And all of this stuff you can find on inclusivedesigners.com. Let's talk about going into the kitchen. What were the things that you put into your kitchen to allow for, for your accessibility, for George's accessibility? When um, you were on uh, uh, the TV show with Lydia, yeah. she's, she even said something like, boy, your kitchen's small. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so, I mean, obviously you had to work with the space you had, but right. getting a ran, I think, was probably your main driver there. But was there anything that you, you learned from that experience? Was there anything that you had a, a you, had a takeaway um and then i guess it kind of goes into the woulda could have and should have uh categories like is there anything that you would have or could have or should have done with the spaces maybe we could start with the kitchen
2: listen uh again uh space was incredibly challenging And what we did was we prioritized the dining room, making sure that it was as accessible and spacious as possible because that's where people are going to eat. That's where the patrons are. And that's where I was going to be at all the time. So the kitchen, it's not to say that it was an afterthought. Um, I myself could get into the kitchen. I could cook things if I wanted to but during service um, it would be very challenging because space is very limited. So our priority was making sure that the bar and the main dining room was accessible. Of course, if we ever decide to open up another place or move to another space, it'll be significantly bigger, hopefully. And because of that, we would be able to create a kitchen that is really accessible and hopefully have someone that has a disability, have the opportunity to come in and work safely and work comfortably in the kitchen itself. But that that's still a dream and that's still an objective for the future itself. There is no doubt about it.
0: Right. Well, maybe, you know, at the end of the day, yes, you have a small space, but you have exactly. a space that is accessible. So it's still living the dream, right? So, <laughs> dream. but it's, it's, it's getting there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, I think my next question for you is, is what would, what would you like designers to know when starting to work on their own inclusive spaces, projects in, in particular, obviously restaurants, like what, like, what was your big takeaway from doing this? Yeah was there anything that you found surprising
2: oh there's the moment you tear up like tear off the walls oh this is true right you you, you find a lot of things
0: there's a surprise yeah
2: surprise (laughs) surprise i mean well i think the most important thing obviously there's something called as you guys know the american disabilities act and there's a there's all these federal guidelines are incredibly detailed and well done about how doors should be, how wide they should be, and, and all the specs and being able to do a 360. There's even um, how thick the carpet should be as well if you're going to install carpet in a, in a, in a business, um, which is pretty amazing. But I think the biggest mistake that architects or designers or business owners do is, yes, obviously, there's the point person who has a craft in that particular um, uh, profession. They, they've worked hard on that. They've perfected their craft is what I should be saying. However, I think if you really want to make it accessible you should ask people in the community do some research. Right. Go on social media. Yeah. Go on the internet. There are plenty of people with disabilities even if you're not too familiar with the community that you can find out. Reach over the aisle and ask them for their opinions and their thoughts. Um, Because then it just becomes very um, sterile by just going by those guidelines. You know, instead of just putting like generic grab bars, maybe put some really nice grab bars, right? Make it look like it's part of the aesthetics of the restaurant. So anyway, I think that really going and making that effort and reaching out to the community and asking their thoughts is, is very beneficial and very educational
0: absolutely you kind of touched on that a little bit in the beginning too we you know we also at least for from my perspective we look a lot of evidence-based design pieces in order to to design but it sounds to me like you really thought a lot about this i mean you come at it from a personal experience but you also you know, you, you really had some real good thoughts about other people who you could have just been focused on yourself and what worked for you, but it was actually, you were looking at other people with other types of disabilities and, and, and such. So, I mean, it was well thought out.
2: Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) I mean, uh, I think the most important thing is, is that I had an opportunity to create a restaurant built Um, around my needs and being able to provide the service, the comfort, and sharing my passion with people without any true obstruction, but also being able to serve other people with disabilities that felt comfortable being there and that I can make them feel comfortable. So uh, it was a two-way street and and it's just a real joy and it's really wonderful and I'm just absolutely blessed and very lucky to have this opportunity to be able to do so because there's not too many people... Who can say that.
0: right. And I love some of the taglines that you put with the uh, the restaurant. It's Roots, Respect, Restore. I think you kind of covered it a lot uh-huh. in the conversation. You know, you talked about your roots yeah. uh, and and the roots of even where the building is, right? Yeah. So there's that, The um, and then the respect that you're giving all the, the individual people. Exactly. And then maybe talk a little bit more about Restore, or is that just natural with no. a restaurant that you can kind of go sit at and have a nice time?
2: No, no. Well, the the word restore, I mean, the word restaurant, excuse me, um, the etymology means restoration. And what the original concept of the restaurant was, it was a way for people, um, they would do these long journeys on their horses, and on your way to wherever you were going, to whatever your destination, there was a stopover. And you would stop there, and you were were offered a, a nice, warm bowl of consomme. You were there to get to, to restore yourself. And I think more so than ever, um, especially with what's happened these last few years, um, really incredibly challenging times. I think the most important thing is you come into a place to restore yourself and to forget about any problems that you may have at that current moment. <laughs> um, it's a place to make yourself feel good, to make yourself feel rejuvenated. And I think, um, that's the purpose of food, right? I mean, Food is satisfying. Food um, nourishes you. Nourishes, right. And and, and and you feel revitalized. And I think that's the concept of contental. So you maybe you came in not feeling so happy, but then you leave <laughs> feeling very happy. <laughs>
0: Well, I can't wait to come in and uh, I'll be happy going there and also happy while I'm there. And I will, I'm sure happy. Well, it's not going to come out right. Happy to leave. <laughs> it's happy had these spirits. You leave, happier. You
2: leave, leave happier. happier. Leave happier.
0: Yes, exactly. Exactly. So then also, why don't you tell us a little bit about... The type of restaurant it is, um, what kind of food you guys serve, and I've heard a rumor, I might have already mentioned it once, but I think it's ba- yeah. worth repeating, um, is that you have an incredible wine
2: selection. Well, thank you so much for your kind words. The restaurant, I mean, the food at the restaurant is Peruvian-based. The chef, his name is Oscar Lorenzi. He is born and raised in Lima, Peru but he is French classically trained. So a lot of his techniques are French inspired, but he's also inspired very much by the cuisine of the Mediterranean. So you'll see a little bit of that also in the cuisine, but it is very much Peruvian and I absolutely love it. The food's delicious. It's incredibly accessible and approachable. And the price points are very reasonable. Um, It's fun. It's eclectic and it's just delicious. Um, as far as our beverage program goes, we have an extensive cocktail program that, that's also quite unique. And then the wine list is quite extensive. We do have a very, what I would call a geeky wine list. Uh, <laughs> wines from all around the world. We have wines from Armenia, from the country of Georgia, Lebanon, Israel, Morocco. So you're really kind of getting a little tour of of different wines from around the world. We also have wines from lots of interesting places across the United States. We even have a blueberry sparkling wine from the state of Maine um, called Bluette. And the price points for the wines itself are also incredibly reasonable because I know that a lot of times we go to restaurants and there's only wines that start off at 100 plus. Um, Certainly not the case at Contento.
0: I think that that's fabulous. I think we've gotten a really good understanding of not only the restaurant and its, its history and the the design challenges that you had, plus also the design solutions that you've come up with. Yeah. Um, so would you like to talk about Wheeling Forward? You wanna to talk to us a little bit about that? How did you start wheeling forward? And then is the wine on wheels sort of like just an offshoot of that? or It is kind of- an
2: offshoot of that. Thank you for your question. Wheeling forward was started in 2012. It was created alongside uh, my good friend, Alex Elogudin, who he himself is a quadriplegic. I met him um, while I was in rehab and we befriended each other. And we just, um, we were somewhat dumbfounded that these other individuals that we also became friends with had issues going back home because they simply didn't have the financial resources to make small home modifications that go a long way. Or some of them lived in a uh, five-story apartment, um, things of that nature. So we knew that one day that we would create an organization to help these individuals, um, individuals that have a disability and individuals from lower income backgrounds, and also people perhaps who don't have the love, care, and support needed to overcome this life-altering situation, and so that's how Wheeling Ford was created. It was really to help those from lower income backgrounds improve their quality of life, and the way we would generate revenue to support ourselves and to, to help us, you know, accomplish our objectives and goals was to have an event called Wine on Wheels, and Wine on Wheels was set up every year. It was over 200 wines, wine professionals from all around the world would come in and pour those wines and that's how we would generate all this money and help get people used wheelchairs and whatever it is, help them with scholarship money to go back to school. And Wine on Wheels kind of took on its own, you know, kind of personality. And that'll have more of a focus on food, wine, and in training for people with disabilities that have expressed an interest and a curiosity to want to get into the hospitality industry. And then the other thing that we will be doing is reaching out to other hospitality establishments, restaurants, bars, hotels, and helping them train their staff on better systems on how to deal with people with disabilities and how to encourage more people with disabilities to work at their establishment, but also to come to their establishment to eat and dine and drink and whatever you want.
0: That's great. I love that. I think that that's a a really kind of wonderful way to kind of bring everything together. And we kind of talked about it earlier. You were trying to explain to me that it's not just you got to train the right people, right? So you got to put everything together.
2: And I always had a dream that I really wanted to have a stronger presence in the hospitality industry where I would see more people with disabilities of all kinds work. But in order to make that happen, there needed to be that bridge. And I'm hoping that Wine on Wheels can finally be that bridge, not just a New York thing, but a, a United States thing, and, and then let it grow across the world. And that's really my long-term vision. But, you know, wheeling forward is is still something that I love and I, I dream about and will still be supporting and still being involved, definitely. But, you know, a lot of my time and energy going forward will be with Wine on Wheels.
0: Well, let me know how I can help thank do you. do you want to let our listeners know how to get in touch? I mean, I will also have it on our website. We will have all the links that you will ever need and then some. <laughs> but Do you want to do a verbal shout out right now? Yeah, I,
2: I mean, uh, one, I want to thank you for having me. Um, what a pleasure, what an honor to be on this. But if you if you want to learn more about uh, Wine on Wheels, you can go on wineonwheels.org. If you want to learn more about Contento, you can go on contentoNYC.com. As for me, you can find me on Instagram at Yannick Benjamin, and you can also find Wine on Wheels there too at Wine on Wheels NYC, and then also at Contento NYC as well, all on Instagram. And I look forward to to seeing all of you, and it would be great to have you all come down to Contento and and have a great time.
0: Yannick, we can't wait. I'm telling you, Carolyn and I talk about that often, <laughs> so we've got to get over a couple of things, obviously, uh, but anyways, yeah, we, we really appreciate you taking the time today. Thank you. We're kind of finished here, unless there's something that you felt like we didn't cover that designers might want to know.
2: No, this was a wonderful conversation. and It went by so fast, and I thank you very much for all your great questions.
0: And all of this stuff you can find on inclusivedesigners.com. I love the your philosophy, and I love the uh, forward thinking and the heart behind it, which is kind of great. I mean, think about it. I mean, like if you could actually create some of those, those spaces that also help, people I and mean, because so many times when people are have some sort of disability they're also impoverished. So yeah right yeah it's a problem. It's a problem. So I mean if lead like, to and then to create more skills and then like you said Rome wasn't built in a day but <laughs> sometimes I feel I feel like we should be a little bit further along. Yeah we're
2: definitely behind. We're definitely behind for sure. We're
0: definitely behind but I but people like you are making a difference.
2: Thank you for everything. Thank you Janet. Thank you, Carolyn, for this opportunity.
0: Thank you so much for being here and being on our podcast, Inclusive Designers. Oh, I really love the concept of roots, respect and restore. That's going to be my new mantra,
1: Carolyn. That's right after stay well and stay well informed. Of course.
0: Well, Yannick thought of everything when creating this restaurant, not only just the physical space, like glowing the bar counters and having things being barrier free but such key touches like the adaptive utensils and the menus for the visually
1: impaired. He said they really appreciate what it takes for someone living with a disability to get to a restaurant, and they strive to ensure every patron can relax and enjoy it while they're there.
0: Ah, what a wonderful guy. I can't wait to go down to New York and visit him, taste some of that good food, sample
1: some of those nice wines that he mentioned, and of course, see the space in person. I think we seriously need a road trip. But if you're in NYC, please look up Contento in East Harlem and visit for both the food and to check out a good example of a restaurant designed with the ADA in mind. For now, we will post photos to inspire you on our website. And
0: we will also share the links for Yannick, Contento, Wheeling Forward, Wine on Wheels, and of course, a few other things that were mentioned along the way during this discussion. All that on our website at inclusivedesigners.com. That's
1: inclusivedesigners.com.
0: Thank you to Yannick Benjamin of Contento,
1: and thank you all as well for listening. Along with all the regular places you get your podcast, you can also find us on YouTube, as you guessed it, Inclusive Designers Podcast. And of course, if you like what you hear, feel free to go to our website and hit that Patreon button or the link to our GoFundMe page. And as our motto says,
0: stay well and stay well informed. Thank you as always for stopping by. Yes, thanks again. We'll see you next time.